Thank you for downloading the following message from the Pickerington Church of Christ. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you as you walk with the Lord. For more information or to find additional resources, locate us on the web at pickeringtonchurch.org. Enjoy the message. Our scripture reading is Ephesians 5, 21 through 24. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Go with me this morning to first century Rome, to a one-room apartment where the Apostle Paul is being held in Roman captivity under house arrest. The most dynamic, powerful force in the Christian movement is being held captive by the Roman government. Now they have allowed him to receive some visitors at this time, but for the most part, the Apostle Paul is spending a lot of time alone with his own thoughts and the Word of God. Long before he was the Apostle Paul, he was known as Saul, and his life was totally different. Raised as a Jewish boy, he had the opportunity to train at the feet of some of the greatest teachers of the law of God. And through this training, he became a scholar, a theologian, a Pharisee, a man in authority with influence, power, and wealth. And in his training, he learned the Word of God in such a wonderful way. He had it stored up and treasured in his mind. So fast forward to this moment where Paul is held under house arrest. And just imagine for a moment him spending one evening alone thinking about creation, Genesis 1 and 2, probably reciting those chapters to himself from memory. And he's thinking about God, the great artist, painting on the canvas of creation, displaying God's beauty, his power, his grace and his greatness for us. And then Paul begins to think about marriage, Adam and Eve and the covenant that they formed there in the garden. And it comes to him, it hits him, that this concept of marriage, this covenant that Adam and Eve were given in the Garden of Eden was actually the greatest parable for God to show us how he was going to relate to us through Jesus Christ someday. In Ephesians chapter 5, I can just hear the excitement of Paul when he says, this mystery is profound, talking about the love that a husband was supposed to have for his wife and the submission the wife was supposed to give to her husband. He says, this mystery is profound, but I'm speaking about Christ and the church. Marriage is the greatest living parable of how Jesus was supposed to relate to us, his church. So we began last week saying that we are in a very difficult situation right now. Currently in Ohio, we're under a shelter-in-place order, which means that we've got to be spending most of our time in our homes. And in our homes, we have key relationships in our life that are meant to be a blessing to us and meant to be good. And perhaps this moment right now, while difficult, is actually a great blessing from God because it's giving us an opportunity to invest in those key relationships in our life so that we can hopefully make them better, and if needed, even heal some wounds. 
To do this, we've got to dig into these relationship roles, husband, wife, parent, and child. And we started last week with the husband. This week, we're going to talk about the wife. And next week, we'll talk about the parent and the child relationship. And we said last week, for us to do this well, there's two rules we've got to agree upon. Rule number one is you've got to stay engaged. You particularly may not be the subject of every sermon, and that's okay. You can still actually get a lot out of what we're talking about. Here's how you're going to stay engaged. First of all, this may be a role that you are participating in. Today, if you are a wife, this is your opportunity, or you may become a wife someday. So this is your opportunity to learn what this role is really about. The other way to stay engaged is you may become a partner or already a partner of this relationship. If you are a husband, your wife is your partner. If you want to be a husband someday, you will have a wife and she'll be your partner. So you got to understand their role. You see, with greater understanding comes greater patience and more grace with your partner. So it's important you understand their role. You may be saying that I don't plan on being a husband or a wife or a parent, and that's okay. Still stay engaged because these two relationships, marriage and parenting, are the two key relationships that God tells us how he longs to relate to us. Jesus is our true husband, and God is our true father. So there's plenty for you to learn as well. So the first rule, stay engaged. The second rule is stay focused. Relationships are all about two or more people coming together in their connection, which means there's all kinds of variables at play here. But the only variable that is under your control is yourself. And so if you want your relationships to get better, especially in the home, you've got to zero in on and focus on you becoming better. It's a waste of time and it makes no positive contribution to just always becoming an expert in everybody else's faults and not focused on how you yourself can grow. So last week we began with the husbands and their command was absolutely clear. Husband, love your wife. No conditions, no qualifiers, just simple and clear. I expect you to love her regardless of circumstances, even regardless of how she is living or behaving, you have been called to love her exactly like Jesus loved the church, which means you've got to be willing to lay down your life for her. That also means you need to make her highest good your highest joy. And if you do that, you will always be pursuing what is her highest good. So for our wives this week, the command is actually just as clear and just as difficult, the command is, wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. I want to begin today by acknowledging the sensitivity that surrounds this subject in our world. Let me start by saying the sensitivity around this subject is not a result actually of God's word or even God himself. He exalts women. He loves women. He cherishes women exactly for who they are. The sensitivity around this subject is because of the misuse of a couple things. First of all, the misuse of words. People have misused what the word submission means for a long time. And because they've done that, they've hurt and harmed a lot of people. Secondly, people have misused people. I want to assure you that today, 
you will not hear preached the gospel of Archie Bunker or Al Bundy. This command from God for wives to submit to their husbands is not just some divine gift from God to the men as if they won the genetic lottery. I think, wives, if we stick together through this lesson, you might actually see that this is a blessing, not just for your family, but also for you. So let's start by remembering our context in Ephesians chapter 5. As Christians, we've been called to walk in God's love and to walk in His light. We've been called to be filled with the Spirit and to be thankful to the Lord for all that He has done for us. And then finally, He tells us, as men and women in the church, that we are to have a submissive and yielding spirit towards each other. The Apostle Paul is weaving into the fabric of the Christian community a spirit of submission that should mark disciples of Jesus. You know, this idea of submission is actually saturated all throughout the New Testament. In fact, 38 different times it is used to describe what Christian character should look like. In fact, you might even say that submissive or yielding spirit is a way that you could describe Jesus in his life. In Luke chapter 2, we're told about Jesus submitting to the authority of his parents and following them home after staying back in Jerusalem. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us to have the same mind that Jesus had when we're interacting with the church, considering and caring for other people. He says that Jesus submitted to being a servant for us. The church is a collection of men and women who are called to reflect the nature of Jesus. Let's look again at the command that Paul has given to the wives. He says, wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. Well, what does this mean? The term submit that Paul is using was actually a word that began in the military. And by the time Paul was using it, it was a word that had translated over to common everyday use and language. Everyday people would just use this word. And just like in the English, Greek verbs have voices that they're used in. Let me explain. When this word submit was used in the military, it was used in the active voice, which simply meant to bring troops into submission. The focus was on the leader forcing compliance upon the troops actively. When it was used in the military in the active voice, the word did not care about the troops, didn't care if they wanted to submit, didn't care how they felt about submission, didn't care if they were interested or willing to do it or not. It was active and focused on the leader forcing compliance upon his troops so that he could have an effective army. But when you move to the common language, when Paul was using it, it was actually used in the passive voice, which meant a person who had a willing, yielding spirit, a cooperative attitude, willing to jump in and take responsibility and help out to be participating in something bigger than yourself for a greater good than just you. There's a couple passages that this is used in that might help you understand it. Psalm 37 verse 7 tells us to rest in the Lord. Psalm 62 verse 1 says, My soul waits in silence for God only. You see how it's speaking about a voluntary attitude of submitting to someone you trust. 
Let's also notice that inside of this command for wives to submit to their husband, there's also a qualifier. He says, as to the Lord. Now this does two things for the wife. First of all, it provides clarity for this submission. When he says, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, he's saying that the husband doesn't actually replace Jesus as your ultimate one you submit to. It is submitting to the Lord and to your husband's highest good to resist if he's leading you into sin. Listen how Peter said it in 1 Peter chapter 3. He said, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. You see, what Peter is saying is that standing up and doing what is right and submitting first to the Lord, you are actually submitting to the highest good for your husband, even if that means demonstrating in love and compassion what is right. So this command submitting to your husband as to the Lord gives you clarity about submission, but it also gives you motivation. When he says submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord, he's saying just like you submit to Christ, also submit to your husband. That means that your relationship to Jesus is your template for how you learn to submit to your husband in your marriage, a wife who loves Jesus with her whole heart, who is filled with the Spirit, who's willing to submit to Jesus and follow wherever he goes, is actually one who has learned how to submit to her husband. So to help wives better understand what this submission looks like, Paul then points us back to Jesus and the church. That's where we learn how we're supposed to live. And he says in verse 23 this way, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. So the husband is the head of the wife, just like Christ is the head of the church. So as a wife, you are called to submit to the headship of your husband. Now, lucky for us, Paul has already explained to us what it means for Christ to be the head of the church. You see, being the head first means that the head provides leadership. In Ephesians chapter 1, he tells us that Christ is seated on the throne and he is the head of the church. He's in a position of authority. And he earned that position of leadership in the church because he willingly sacrificed his life for the body. He laid his own life down and because he did that, God raised him up and God placed him in that position. The same is true for husbands. To the level that you are willing to sacrifice for your wife is the level to which you're able to lead her. If you're not willing to sacrifice for her, you have lost the opportunity to be able to lead her. And wives, as your husbands are willing to lay down their lives and serve and sacrifice for you and the family, you also need to be willing to follow that leadership. So being the head first means that you provide leadership, but being the head also means that they provide supply for your growth. In Ephesians chapter 4, then Paul says that Christ is the head of the body and he supplies from himself all that is needed for the growth. So husbands, as you step into leading your wife like Christ led and loved the church, you are called to help nurture 
care for, and tenderly grow your spouse. And as your husband does this, wife, you have been called by God to be willing to support him, submit to him, and allow this process to take place. So just like with the husband's wives, can you see what God is doing here in this process? Certainly he has called for there to be order and structure in the marriage, for men to lead and to be willing to love like Christ and for wives to submit like the church. But he's also doing something more, something deeper for us. You see, the excuse that men often use when they're not living up to their call of God to love their wife like Christ loved the church is so often the same excuse that wives use when they're not submitting to their husband. They say things like, my spouse isn't perfect. He hasn't earned my submission. He frustrates me. This is way too hard for me to do. Yet wives listen, and husbands as well. That's actually not an acceptable excuse. Let me show you why. Husbands, would you agree that Jesus has loved you perfectly? that he has sacrificed for you, that he has willingly walked with you, and that he is the perfect person to be in a relationship with. If you would agree with that, then ask yourself this, have you perfectly loved him? Wives, the same. Would you agree that Jesus has led you perfectly, loved you selflessly? And if so, ask yourself, do you willingly and perfectly always submit to him? Now here's my point. If Jesus is the perfect spouse who lives perfectly for us and we struggle with our command to obey and love him, then that means it doesn't take a perfect spouse for us to do what we've been called to do perfectly. You see what he's doing here for us, husbands and wives? Obedience to what we've been called to do in our own roles is not dependent on the perfection of our spouse. It is actually an expression of our trust and not our spouse to be perfect, but a God who's given us these roles to be perfect. Do we trust the role that he's given us? In marriage, the command for the husband to love his wife perfectly and the wife to submit fully actually require the same thing even though the commands are different. They require each, the husband and the wife, to be willing to die to themselves. Now, does that sound familiar to you? To die to yourself? In fact, that's the very doorway into entering a relationship where you follow Jesus your whole life. He said, you can't come after me and follow me unless you're willing to die to yourself. So perhaps the gender we've been given by God, perhaps the roles that we've been given in our relationship, the spouse even, imperfect as they may be, might actually be a gift from God. And what should we do with that gift? Should we rail against scripture? argue against God saying this is too hard or inconvenient? Should we make excuses? Should we blame other people? Or do we, in our God-given role in these relationships, recognize the challenge, own our responsibility, and humbly crawl to the feet of Jesus and ask him for help. You see, in marriage, God is pressing us to the point where we come to realize we need him to live the way we were supposed to live. And in his brilliance, he's given us marriage, not just to populate the earth or to enjoy some time while we live here, 
not even to frustrate us or annoy us. He's given us marriage to bring about our holiness, to bring about our oneness, not just with each other, but with him. You see, the ultimate goal of God through Jesus Christ is that he might reconcile us back to the relationship that we were always designed to have, one with him. We have chased things, we have chased people, we have chased interests and loves outside of God himself. And if we're honest with each other, we get to the end of each of those ropes and we find we're left wanting. It's time for us to pursue the relationship with God that we were always supposed to have. And you find that in a relationship with Jesus Christ, where you learn exactly who God is. You learn exactly how to relate in a marriage with him and then in the marriage you've been given. And you learn that his love was the love you were always designed to have. If we can help you become one with Jesus Christ, to learn how to be a Christian, would you call the phone number that's on the screen right now? If you don't want to call, you can text this number. Somebody is available right now in this moment to answer your call or text to help you respond to the gospel so that you can become one with Jesus through faith, repentance, confession, and then be washed in the waters of baptism to come up alive, married to Jesus, brand new, ready to walk in a new life.